Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is a comedian, actor, voice actor, and TikTok celebrity. Is that a word yet? TikTok, TikToker, TikToker, TikTok. You don't stop. That's what Rosie says. Anyway, it's Lucas Arnold. He's going to talk to me about doing stand-up comedy here at the Fringe, doing stand-up comedy amidst a panic attack, and you might even hear us do a little bit of a celebrity impression battle. All today on Hi Jinx. So buckle up, hunker down, and sink your teeth into some brand new Hi Jinx. M. Oh. M. Mom. Hello everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today I am in my apparently cavernous (laughs) Edinburgh flat. Um, This is the best place I have to record, so I'm sorry if you hear an echo, but you know what? That's life on the road as a bohemian. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Finish that sentence. Today we are joined by comedian, actor, and TikToker, Lucas Arnold. Hi, Lucas. Hi, Jinx. So, I... want to just start this conversation by saying talk to me about tiktok like you would um uh, a grandmother um some person of advanced age Mm. who knows that tiktok exists and that's about as much as they know (laughs) okay so tiktok i think started mainly as an app where people would lip sync onto songs Mm-hmm. But then the app evolved into people sharing videos of recipes or conservative ideology. <laughs> and only those two. <laughs> and, and so it's become uh, an app where people create and share short form videos mm-hmm. on pretty much any subject or anything they like. And what makes it? Why do you think it's standing the test of time when Vine died so quickly? I have some theories, but you're much more immersed. I honestly think that the pandemic may have had something really big to do with that. I think you're right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. In that it, I think it, I didn't start doing TikTok or even being on TikTok until like a hair before the pandemic, like February of 2020. And I think it was there for maybe a year or two beforehand. Mm -hmm. I may be wrong, but I think the pandemic just pushed everyone else onto the app Mm -hmm. in a way maybe they were peripherally or just a little, they dappled a little bit. And um, I think that the pandemic really helped its popularity. And I think it's the reason why I think 
pretty much every other major social media app has sort of copied TikTok. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, they've all sort of become TikTokified in the way they do short form videos now. Well, we've seen Instagram absorb other apps before. Right. <laughs> and that's what it feels like as as like a, a patron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's like Vine came along, Instagram got scared. I can only personify these apps and <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, give yeah. them human emotions, but Instagram got scared and then so started acting more like Vine and then Vine yeah. died. And we've seen Instagram do this with a few things. Now, I feel two ways about it. Because on the one okay. hand, um, I, I'm like, Instagram, just be Instagram. And you don't have to keep reinventing yourself because I'm content with you the way you are. Mm-hmm. But then also, I'm like, but I get all of the other stuff on my Instagram. So I'm kind of happy to just have a hub. Yeah. But... <laughs> But I like it better when the artist is curating it. Like when someone I follow on Instagram has chosen which videos to come over from TikTok to show me. So I'm not missing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I don't post everything from TikTok onto Instagram, but I do most things. Yeah. I can't believe how much time I've spent thinking about the the personification of these (laughs) (laughs) mobile apps. So if you could describe like uh, Instagram and TikTok and maybe... Facebook and YouTube as like school archetypes, like middle school oh, or high school yeah, archetypes. Yeah, yeah. How would you describe them? Well, Facebook's um, the like the librarian at the school. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have access to all the catalogs yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the yeah. archives. They've been around for a while, but no one really talks to them. <laughs> Um, Instagram is uh, probably like the principal trying to be cool with the Mm, students, you know. That's pretty good. Um, TikTok would probably be like the Bart Simpson. Mm, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. What am I? Twitter? Oh, the bully. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is fun. Um, But yeah, so I, I, I use my social media, but I've Pretty much, you know, like... I think YouTube is like student government head. Student. <laughs> student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Class president. Yeah. Um, who are we forgetting? Uh, I don't know of any others. I mean, there's... I know there are other, like, smaller... Vine was killed tragically in a thresher accident. <laughs> but has a memorial. <laughs> a my, memorial bench. Behind glass <laughs> in the school. Um... I definitely, I like my Instagram. I have mm-hmm. a TikTok. I barely know what to do with it. Um, it was a steep learning curve. Yeah. I mean, a, yeah. I know what makes me laugh. And then I try to do the same thing. And uh-huh. then I'm like, I feel like it's one of those things where I don't know if anyone's ever told you after seeing you perform live saying, mm-hmm. you make it look effortless. And I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck you. I'm up there <laughs> sweating buckets, like thinking in my mind constantly, please like me, please like this. Would you prefer, please laugh. <laughs> would you prefer if someone was like, hey, what you did looked, I can see the strain. <laughs> <laughs> you probably need a rest after yeah. that one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I have... What I like is a hearty thank you or congratulations and that's it. I don't... (laughs) I will say one of my favorite things, I don't know if... But one of the most relieving things I ever heard was that I was... I did a show 
at Caroline's last October and my manager was there as well watching and I had a full-on panic attack on stage that I just pushed through mm -hmm. and like by the end I was sweating buckets my mm -hmm. ears were clicking mm -hmm. my vision was coming from tunnel back out after I got on because it was like it was rough and but my manager was like I didn't notice a thing yeah. I was like, oh my god <laughs> yeah um I don't believe I've ever had a panic attack on stage. I've definitely had like insane intrusive thoughts on stage that consumed my entire like consciousness and my body and mouth just went into autopilot. Mm. And while I was like singing a song, my brain was actually like doing mental gymnastics as I tried to decipher what that look that person gave me <laughs> meant. Okay. You okay, know? Okay. <laughs> but what's it like performing through a panic attack? And then to be told, yeah. I didn't even notice. <laughs> what it feels like is, well, I, I have this, pressure point exercise that my mm -hmm. therapist taught me called EFT tapping, mm -hmm. which has helped me diffuse a panic attack before really well. Mm -hmm. But this one show, it did not work. <laughs> I was trying to like do this mantra and tapping all, all over my body and stuff. But in then, the middle of your set? Not in the middle of my set. <laughs> I was like, how do you explain <laughs> yeah. this to your audience? <laughs> yeah. No, this is like before I went up on stage okay. where I'm just trying to do this. But the thing is like my heart just kept on racing mm -hmm. and didn't stop it wasn't going down it was going up and my hearing was getting fuzzy mm -hmm. my eye my vision was getting tunnely i was sweating buckets i felt like i may collapse and what kind of pulled me out of it was that um there was a stool on stage and there was a glass of water on it. It was not my glass of water. <laughs> I took a sip and that got a big laugh from the audience and okay. just knowing that i was like okay, my set has already not gone the way I was hoping it could go. <laughs> so the idea of perfection in my mind, oh, is that my phone? No, okay. Airplane mode. No, no I, am, I am on airplane joking. mode. <laughs> oh, it's mine because I turned it off silent so that I wouldn't miss you when you got here. Oh my God. Shameful, shameful. <laughs> I also don't care. Um, um, I think it's the casual nature about yeah. this podcast that really resonates with my audience. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, go yeah, on. Yeah. Um, You're in the middle of a panic attack. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a panic attack. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so I think that the I, I'm definitely someone who's like a perfectionist. I like knowing how every little beat is going to go and having this idea in my mind of how it's going to go. I was also told that there was going to be industry in the crowd. Mm. So that just amplified whatever mm -hmm. there was in my mind. Um, and there wasn't. They, were, <laughs> they weren't there. I was lied to. I was full on lied to. But once that moment happened, that knowing that I could fuck up, but I could still turn it around, mm. even unintentionally and get a laugh, I was like, I think I'll be okay. And that's when it started going down and I actually started enjoying the rest of my set. That's really great to hear because I feel like I feel like that was a um a really freeing point in my like journey as a performer myself when I realized I could make a mistake on stage and it didn't ruin the show. Right. And that's kind of a good analogy for life. Um you know, actors love to it, well, the, all the world's a stage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like there was a long time when I was performing. If I messed up one tiny part of the show, then the rest of the show, I'm so fixated on that one mistake that then I make mistake after mistake after mistake because yeah. I'm not present and I'm not like 
um, allowing myself to be present with what I'm currently doing because I'm so fixated on the moment that I just messed up. And yeah, that's like, that's good advice for life. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you're it's... constantly focused on the last mistake, chances are you're going to make more mistakes than if you were being present in the moment. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's, I don't like, I'm not like a huge improv person, but I, from the few improv classes I've taken, I've grabbed a huge number of life lessons and performance lessons of just how to handle yourself on stage or just how to uh, place the stage audience and yourself in your mind in a way that is healthy and allows mm -hmm. you to stay in the moment and enjoy yourself. Yeah, because, you know, um, I had to remind myself as well that um, everyone has bad days at work. Yeah. And so it feels like you're not allowed to have a bad moment or a bad show or a rough day because everyone sees it, you know, yeah. and that pressure of everyone's going to remember you know, and like, yeah, maybe they will. And it's probably not going to kill your entire career yeah. unless you like... Um, Want it to. Unless, <laughs> unless you pull a Kramer and just, just start shouting out Start saying words. really cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you um, started with TikTok right before the pandemic, you said? No, I started in the pandemic. In the pandemic. Yes. Okay, so you've risen to TikTok fame relatively fast. I don't know. What, yeah. uh, is, is that fast in TikTok I world? I think so. I think so. No, I... <laughs> I well, I downloaded the app and I started like watching videos uh, like a month before the pandemic, but I only mm -hmm. started in. Uh, my first video was March 18th, mm -hmm. I think. And I think I hit a million followers by Thanksgiving. Wow. Okay. Um, I got TV on my side and I'm still yeah, like pushing <laughs> like, I don't know, like 12 down. <laughs> but I really haven't figured out. Yeah, but you got, you got millions on Instagram. <laughs> I've been following We all you. have our kingdoms. <laughs> Now, um, yeah. so tell me what, oh, first of all, how old are you? I'm 27. 27. Okay, so this is like two, two and a half years ago? Yes. And yeah. what were you doing before TikTok? Before TikTok, I was a full-time voice actor. Okay, that's what I thought, but yeah. I like to hear it from yeah, your yeah, mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, yeah, I did a lot of audiobooks. Mm -hmm. I did some commercials. I was in a, a small children's cartoon called Saving Soup on YouTube. <laughs> it's really cute. It's like like five minute little episodes. Mm -hmm. um, they're really, really sweet. I, I also did a lot of explainer videos, a lot of e-learning, a lot of mm -hmm. like, um, um, to get back to the menu, press the, press the left column. And it's like <laughs> things, yeah. Um, I know how rigorous audiobook work oh, can yeah. be. A friend of mine is a voice actor and actor. Um, I'll never forget the day um, I was just watching Modern Family and he was randomly yeah. playing the stupid kid at college orientation. Uh, <laughs> and he has a recording studio um, in his apartment mm -hmm. and it's just like constant. It's just like, wake up, make coffee, read a book out loud yeah. <laughs> for hours on that was my life for a good few years yeah i have that full like home studio soundproof everything so it's something you can fall back on oh absolutely and it carried do me you through still the, yeah. do any audiobook work now or i have not done an audiobook mm -hmm. in a while i still occasionally do other um voiceover work mm -hmm. i um 
yeah, I've done a couple commercials recently and some uh, e-learning work for uh, an airline. I'm not sure if I can say which one, but yeah, I, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I still do voiceover work uh, occasionally, mainly through uh, agents. I used to do a lot of like direct marketing and mm. uh, voiceover casting website auditions. I don't do much of that anymore. Wow. Um, so this was that like 25 you had, you had essentially your whole career laid out for you as long yeah. as you wanted it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> After a year of doing just, so like I graduated from college and mm-hmm. then I tried to do some theater, some film, uh, but I very, very quickly found a lot of enjoyment in voiceover. And I did that very intensely mm-hmm. for just a year, but then I realized how much I missed live performance mm-hmm. so much. And so I got back into auditioning for on camera and stage work. And I also, that was when I realized I really wanted to try stand up because mm-hmm. it's something I wanted to try for ages. And I didn't, didn't have the confidence until I started seeing a therapist. And mm-hmm. then that's what opened me up and allowed it me to do that. It seems like a lot of comedians like walk from their therapy session to their set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so did you go to school for performing? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. I went to Northwestern University for okay. theater. Yeah. I didn't look into any schools. I found the one I wanted to go to on a whim, and then I just like gave up looking at anything else. I, I really didn't play into the whole... I, I didn't think I was going to end up getting to go to college outside of Portland. I yeah. thought I was going to end up just going to, you know, Portland State University, which is a lovely school. And I probably would have ended up being an... Oh my God, what a weird word flub. An English teacher. <clears throat> I probably would oh, have... you would be a fun English ...ended teacher. up being an English teacher, yeah. I, I wanted to teach Shakespeare to honors English classes because that was kind of where... Um, that was my favorite class in high mm-hmm. school was our Shakespeare unit in honors yeah. English. And so I had a, that was my, that was my plan B. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> I was a terrible reader girl. I was, <laughs> I was dog shit at reading comprehension and well, reading Shakespeare was so difficult for me as a kid. I loved reading Shakespeare. I'll tell you, I, to get me to read a book these days, you know, <laughs> I, I have to sometimes remind myself I was once yeah. a really good student because now it's just like, a, a, it's nonstop bacchanal around. Yeah. <laughs> I have to remind myself that I was actually good at math as a kid because it, it trips me up now. I'm- math. I mean, I always did well in math, but like, it's because I was just following the formulas when yeah. I have to do it in my head. Yeah. It's like... Where's the formula? A cacophony of screams. Yeah. When someone, when I worked in um, uh, f- food service, when I had to make change, mm-hmm. when they would do that annoying thing where they'd hand you like three dollars and thirty eight cents for whatever reason, and oh then want, and they know what the answer is, <sighs> they'd be like, like, "Just say, can I get two bucks back?" You they know? just want, they just want you to score. <laughs> they just want you. Yeah. And I would sit there. <laughs> That's when I had a panic. <laughs> Doing simple math. Wait, can I tell you a moment of an almost panic attack? Mm-hmm. Not really, but it was just a moment of, of stress mm-hmm. when I was dealing with customers. So I worked in my uh, college's bookstore, mm-hmm. uh, but they also sold like a lot of college merch, like mugs and hoodies and hats and everything. And um, because it was a Big Ten school, there was like, football was a really big thing. And at my first football weekend, we were having multiple families doing multi-thousand dollar purchases full of stuff. And it was crazy. And there was this one family that came up and they had like 
10 mugs that they wanted to get and <laughs> to like send to the family yeah. so everyone can pretend they went to where's northwestern uh, chicago okay yeah <laughs> go on just north of chicago yeah um but yeah i was trying to and we had like this uh big sheets of paper that you could wrap up um I was about to say perishable items, <laughs> um, fragile items. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to wrap it up, but I'd never done this before. And so I was just looking over at my coworkers and trying to copy them, but I was getting really stressed. And this mom just put her hand on mine. And she said, sweetie, I can do this if you need. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. <laughs> So we've gone back in time. Now let's go forward again. Okay. You graduate from Northwestern. Um, soon you're working as a voiceover worker. Voiceover <laughs> worker. Voiceover laborer. <laughs> you're a voiceover artist. You're doing audiobook work. Uh, sounds like you have a secure footing in life. And then you start doing TikTok. And um, I know, I, I can't remember who it was who said, sent me one of your videos. Do you remember which one was the first no. one? It, it feels so long ago now. How would yeah. I ever remember? But it was pro, I think it was my friend Liam uh -huh. sending me an impression. Okay. And I don't know what the impression was, but I feel like it was my friend Liam um, in Seattle sending me you doing an impression, possibly John Mulaney, but I okay. feel like it was someone else. It, it very easily could have been. And I feel like if I could um, say three of your top hit recurring mm -hmm. um, bits is your John Mulaney impression. This yeah. probably gotten you some oh, yeah. great attention. I know lots of people bring up your signature sign off when you're doing those mirror, oh, yeah, like- goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, you're doing, you do, so it's kind of like your different videos take place at different places. And they take in place brain, in different yeah. places in your brain and in your apartment. Yeah. And so you can kind of, like when you see the thumbnail, you know, oh, this is going to be one of these mirror confessionals. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be one of these um, spoken word beat poetries <laughs> about booties. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the uh, toxic masculine female clothing CEOs yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where you're like breaking down what's wrong with yeah. fashion in our culture and the way that it shames women from like from the sizing to for existing. The, yeah. For existing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, so, you know the, do you know the way that started? I explained I'd love that, to hear it. Well, the way it started was that in my senior year of college, I was uh, hanging out with my friend Samantha. It was like a couple weeks before Halloween. Okay, but where were Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda? <laughs> <laughs> I only just started watching Sex in the City, forgive me. Um, they were out filming a not good show uh, and okay so i'm hanging so i'm hanging with my friend samantha and i'm trying to figure out what i'm going to do for a costume and i thought oh i'll do i'll do david bowie mm -hmm. and so i found these leggings online with the lightning bolts mm -hmm. and i was like oh these look amazing and so i was i was trying to find my size and they were in women's sizing which didn't bother me but i was like okay now i need to figure out what's me and then just nothing made sense because if it was the right waist i have a pretty small waist mm -hmm. uh like the legs were too short but if i got one that actually suited my legs the waist would be enormous mm -hmm. and so i turned to my friend samantha i was like hey um I, I don't know how to 
deal with these sizes? And she was just like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, Samantha, I'm trying to figure out what my size is. She was like, I know. <laughs> and then she's like, I was like, none of this makes sense. Like, how does, how do you find anything that fits you? She was like, yeah. And then she was just feeding off of my, kind of like when you want to show like a close friend who hasn't seen Star Wars, Star Wars for the first time, and you're just living off of their reaction. <laughs> that was what she was doing, but in like a, a devious way. And that was when I, it was like, it was honestly like the way she was reacting. That was like my inspiration for that character. Someone who like was just, who fed off of like people's. Did you make a video recreating yeah. this? Because I, that all sounds that. Yeah, very yeah, yeah. familiar, but um, uh, I just love it because Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, of course, um, everything's set up against women. Yeah. But the fashion and clothing industry is essentially also set up against anyone femme. Um, and I always dealt with like, you know, like a men's small when I was, you know, a twink back in the day. A men's small still like fit me like a giant rectangle. And I was like... <laughs> How, you know, like young queer kids having their mom like sew up the sides of their shirt so it's skin tight. You know? <laughs> it's just it, it only recently has clothing started becoming like truly um, there's a lot of androgynous and unisex options. Yeah. That's what I loved about American Apparel, rest in peace, is that. Oh everything in their store essentially was unisex right and now you know now we're throwing the American rules apparel. you never been never been oh it was where you got your high-waisted skin tight <laughs> writing pants you know? i've been looking all this time and i haven't found <laughs> yeah. so this must be why um your fans and followers send you co cosmic leggings all the time <laughs> that was different actually <laughs> Very separately, um, I was gifted a pair of Galaxy leggings once and I just found them and I thought, wouldn't it be a funny idea for a video if I just came into my bathroom mirror and I was like, I'm so sorry. I've kept a secret from you guys. I don't know why I did it, but I hope you guys can forgive me. I own these leggings and then I just lift my leg into into view and I say, here they are. I, I, won't, I won't keep secrets from you guys again. And then people found, because I have a P.O. box, they mm -hmm. sent me other stuff in that same material and print. Oh, so now you can just walk around like... Had to, uh, like a, like a morph suit of galaxy stuff. Yeah, I could, but I don't want to because they then kept sending me stuff, and uh -huh. I kept getting annoyed. I was like, guys, please stop! And then it just became a bit where I would get annoyed, and they would send me more stuff, and then I had to put my foot down. I was like, you guys are just creating waste. I'm never gonna touch these again. But now you could costume an entire show with I, cosmic apparel. I could, but that would be a big deviation from my material. <laughs> Listen, Lucas, since you got here, I've been momaging your career. And I'm not letting you stop. No. I think there will be a... Well, you don't have to wear... Okay, picture it. You're okay. not wearing the cosmic okay. stuff. Okay. But you tell this story. You come up with some material around it. Then yeah. you have like... Five to six, you know, like, uh, you know, extras you hire that night, storm the stage and like, that's how you exit. They storm the stage like a bunch of creepy cosmic morph people and they grab you and drag you. <laughs> that's a great exit to it. That's <laughs> a good way to get show. off stage. That's pretty good. Um, so what would you say are some of your favorite recurring bits that you do? 
my favorite recurring bits, I do like the booty poetry because mm -hmm. that it's really easy to do because mm -hmm. you just come up with like the dumbest rhyme schemes that you can think <laughs> of. Those are fun. Um, I, I, actually, well, I actually don't like doing impressions that much anymore because yeah. I, I started doing them a lot because people liked them. I was like, oh yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. But then I started getting asked to do stuff and I was getting introduced or reached out to as an impressionist rather mm -hmm. than a comedian. And I was like, oh, I'm putting out the wrong vibe. I may yeah. be pigeonholing myself. So that was why I did a hard pivot mm -hmm. into those like confessionals into my bathroom mirror where I do stories or jokes or stuff where I want, I thought, okay, I only want to be known for stuff that I actually write mm -hmm. and not just Cause you can, you can pull out those impressions yeah. anytime you need them. But yeah, I can't even imagine, like, I mean, I do quite a few impressions. Oh, and I've, I've seen them. <laughs> And, you're and I have an idea for us, but um, um, we'll get there. Oh, but I okay. have my impressions and I've, you know, Im impersonation and impression is very big within the drag performance realm. Yeah. And Craig Russell is this um, drag performer who passed away in the late 80s, I think, uh -huh. late 80s or early 90s. But um, they did a show where they would be behind a scrim and you would see their silhouette as they changed the hair and the costume. And then mm -hmm. they'd come out as the person they're impersonating, right. do a little monologue, sing a song as that person and then go change it to the next one. And I've always thought if I did an impersonation show, that would be, um, that would be how, like how I would want to do it. And it would right. be an homage to Craig Russell, but it's a daunting task trying to think of like, okay, I got to write like 20 little monologues for these different yeah. people. And what would be the funniest thing for Betty Davis to be talking about right now? And mm. it does seem like a daunting task, but um, rattle off. Who are your, who are your impressions that you do? Um, where are yeah. we at today? How many voices have you got? <laughs> I, I did do a head count once and it was at least 40. 40, wow. Yeah. I feel like I've only seen like a, like a small flake of that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I've done a few. I, like John Mulaney, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, Nick Offerman, AKA Ron mm -hmm. Swanson, I, I've got asked about him a lot. <laughs> um, Donald Duck, okay. I can do as well. Um, trying to think who else. Um, oh yeah, uh, Moriarty from Sherlock. <laughs> I'm less familiar, but just did you the ever fact did you ever know. watch Sherlock? No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay, uh, who else? Um, who's uh, someone you're working on? Is there someone who's not ooh, fully cooked yet? Well, <laughs> someone that people say I can do, but I still don't feel I can, is Morgan Freeman because I can't do it. <laughs> I can do it like if I get really close on the microphone, mm -hmm. I can do it. But mm -hmm. uh, but if I'm like just speaking as a, and I know, and I've seen people who do impressions of him where they're not just hugging the microphone. Mm -hmm, and I'm like, that's mm -hmm. amazing. But Would you, okay. So I've seen you talk about this. I read an interview profile uh, of you yesterday. And so- uh, I find it so weird that that's available. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to ask like, um, You've talked a, a lot about me, uh, your Ashkenazi Jewish heritage and your yes. Sudanese heritage. Yes. And um, in this article, you were talking about like how you don't really um, claim black identity stuff because you're white passing. Yes. Like you don't reclaim words. Um, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> because 
for all intents and purposes, you've gone through life as a white passing person. Exactly. Do you find when you're doing impressions, if you do an impression of a person of color, that people's knee jerk reaction is to say, you can't do that. And then you have to explain, or is it with, because we know that there's a long history in voice acting of white people doing POC characters. So do you face misunderstandings there or how do you navigate that yourself with your um, colorful heritage? (laughs) That's, that's a really interesting one where I think this is where I think the line is, especially Mm -hmm. for any voice actors that may be listening, which is that if you are uh, black or if you're just a person of color, then if there's a character that specifically is your ethnicity, um, then that is for you and like a white actor or anything else, like you are not for that role. Mm -hmm. But if there is a specific person who maybe like Morgan Freeman's in a movie Mm -hmm. and he's not available to do some ADR work to get some final uh, voice stuff like good in the edit, then they may hire someone who's white who can just do a really good Mm. voice match impression of Uh, Morgan Morgan Freeman. Freeman. And that's specifically just for one person. Mm -hmm. That's not like a black, that is just Morgan Freeman. And then that I think is okay because you're just trying to do one person for one specific thing that you're uniquely qualified for. Mm -hmm. It's that you have the exact vocal tone for this one person. Mm -hmm. You Because there's no such thing as a black voice, Mm -hmm. but there is a Morgan Freeman voice. Mm -hmm. And so if you can do a Morgan Freeman voice, then you can, but if you're white, you there is no such thing as a black voice yeah and so that's where i think the line is and i think like um uh like frank caliendo Mm -hmm. from frank tv back in the day but he's (laughs) i've talked to him a little bit he's the sweetest guy in the world and he does i think he does morgan freeman i think he also does chris rock and some other people i've seen what and i think that is completely okay Mm -hmm. um Obviously, you shouldn't say the N-word, uh, <laughs> unless you're Kramer. Um, <laughs> um, I, I legit always forget that yeah. actor's name when I... <laughs> I, know, I always just have to say Kramer. And what sucks is I know every Michael other... Richards, yeah. <laughs> Michael Richards, yeah. Michael Richards, I know yeah. all their... Maybe my mind just forgot it after that whole debacle. Well, uh, <laughs> same thing with, like, Will Smith in... Uh, 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 Prince of Bel Air, where um, uh, Alfonso Ribeiro, who's the guy who played Carlton, who mm-hmm. said, "Hey, you're gonna be known as this character for the rest of your life. Just make the name Will Smith." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, well, I, I I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, so, yeah. Well, you know, in drag, it, it, it's um, there's a lot of women who we just all all drag queens worship this woman. So, yeah. um, you know, I it's like for me, I do a great Eartha Kitt voice. Mm. And I feel like, you know, people are still happy to hear my Eartha Kitt impression. <laughs> just, and I stick to Yzma because that's yeah. an animated character. Right, yeah. But of course I'm always um, wanting to be mindful and um, make sure I believe in what I'm doing. I mm. found a hack for myself, turns out, um, it's just also Kate Mulgrew. Oh. <laughs> Eartha Kit is just Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know who Kate Mulgrew is. She's um, she's uh, Captain Janeway. She was red on Orange is the New Black. She's Captain Janeway in Voyager. Um, Kate, uh, I'm, I, there was something else I was just watching her in. But you've never seen Star Trek Voyager? No. Literally, this is, she's like, I'd like my coffee. Black. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like my coffee. Black. 
Um, there's a part of me now, tell me if this is just yeah, yeah. super corny, Not but there's all. a part of me um, that wants to say, let's each pick an impression and have a conversation as those people. We do could do feel- Yzma and Kronk. <laughs> oh, because you do I can, Because I can do Kronk, and that's another one mm-hmm. that I forgot about, but then I, I have I was that. thinking like, a, like what if um, John Mulaney and uh, Judy Garland were oh, okay. in a room together? Like, what would they have to talk about? I'll okay. give you a second to think. Okay. Um, all right. So you've ordered the linguine and clams. Is there anything else I can get you? Uh, I was hoping that maybe I could get a dry martini with it as well. I'm sorry. Could you speak just a little fucking louder? I was, I'm. I'm sorry. I, I. As you know, I was speaking so quietly. Um, is this better? Should I do it like this? Oh, that's that's a, oh, that's way better. Has anyone ever told you you look like a young Rob, Rob Reiner? <laughs> I couldn't think of a name. Only by my mom. Um, oh. so, uh, <laughs> if, um, oh my god! If you're at, like at a party with a bunch of friends, do they yeah. oftentimes try to get you to break out your voices? Oh, they're trying. Um, not not that often. Not that often. I was um, in college. I was forbidden of doing Donald Duck. I was not because I did it a lot. And they they were like, I, they were just asking me like, oh, Lucas, did you get coffee? And I'll be like, yes. <laughs> and they. That is. A, so I can make the noise. Oh, yeah. But I can't speak. It's so difficult. It's <laughs> I, so hard. I have to imagine because. Um, yeah, I, I've been able yeah. to make the do- noise since I was a kid, and mm. every once in a while I try really hard to speak as yeah. Donald Duck, but you don't have to give away your secrets. Keep that. It's all good. No, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't mind. But another thing that I fall into with any time I do a John Mulaney is I try to make it as, like, uh, sexual and rough <laughs> as pro- and profane as possible, because in my mind, like, he's just the picture of just, like, cleanliness, yeah. exactly, that I try to, and that's why... Uh, like I did the full song WAP just mm-hmm. as him because I was like, I just want him, I I just want him to be a very sexually aggressive woman. Yeah. I, it just it made me laugh. And so, yeah. Um, do you ever, are you ever doing one um, voice and then you start losing it and slip into a completely different person? <laughs> I do that with accents sometimes. Accents, if I'm trying, yeah. I was asked last night to do a Northern accent and I, just forgot how to do it and I ended up doing like almost like a pirate I was like what no 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 that's that's so far I was like what am I doing what I was yeah um, I um have to admit in acting school I was told by my phonetic voice and speech and dialect teachers that I was really good at dialects and I had a knack okay. for phonetics oh I've seen you do I I know you can I know you are. then I come to the UK and I'm doing all my accents that I've been told were so good. And everyone here is like, no, no. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. I guess these only fly in America. I, well, can I also, you give me an example? Well, I, it's kind of like when I'm doing a British accent, I kind of do all British accents at once because I'm used to doing it for comedy. Right. So I don't care what's accurate. I okay, want to okay, make okay. all the sounds that are funniest for. Yeah. But like I do impressions. Of, <laughs> yeah. This has been my favorite joke. Okay for a while now. Um, my husband's British, he's Northern, but he doesn't really have a Northern accent. He has a very affected 
dialect that um, you can't really place. Mm -hmm. And I always win arguments against him because if we're getting into a tiff about something, he'll say, I didn't say that. You said that. And then I say, not me, not Hermione, (laughs) you. (laughs) But he loves telling me that I'm terrible at British dialects, but I think it's just a superiority complex. Brits love telling Americans Um, that they are bad at things. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. My uncle's like that, yeah. I was I, I was venting about something recently and um, Major Skills, my music partner, was just like, so I married a British person. <laughs> um, my so- dad did, because my mom is English. Mm-hmm. And so my, my dad, my dad was actually very good at accents, though. He was very good at mimicry. Mm-hmm. He was very, he also, he also was very good at um, picking up an instrument and getting a tune out of it, even if he never touched it mm-hmm. before. He was... He was a little bit of a savant like that. Okay. Which is, yeah. Michael's pretty good at picking up instruments and just doing something with it. Yeah. It's if it's music theory. I I, I barely studied music theory in school. But when you know music theory, apparently you can just pick up any instrument and kind right. of know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm really bad at. I'm good at matching what someone else is singing, mm-hmm. but I can't sing harmony. I can't sing against something. Mm-hmm. I need to sing the same thing as whatever I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a... Uh, I think that's fairly common. Okay. They, I, I, I highly suggest the show Girls 5 Eva. Um, yes. <laughs> there's some corny moments, but if you push past, it's a very good... Um, right. I, I loved um, season two. It, it, it Paula Pell's in it, lots of wonderful... Busy Phillips plays this character who's completely um, out there, um, yeah. and she can only sing the notes that she's hearing. So they right, have to yeah, like yeah. plan their songs strategically so that she's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that she's only standing next to the person she's doubling with. So when I when I was in college I did this play called Boomer's Story. It was a student written play. And uh all of the actors had to sing at least one song as like uh, the audience is like collecting into the space. And we had a guitarist, his name was Noah and he before I started singing, he would play just one string, just dung, and so I could start humming that to myself <laughs> to lead myself into the song so that I wouldn't be off key because it was mm. such an issue for me. I mean, I have moments like that. St- I've been singing professionally for like 14 years now, and I still have moments where I like need Major to feed me things on stage because yeah. I just, you know, it's hard to keep all that information in your head. You've already got like 40 people living in there. Yeah. <laughs> So, <clears throat> can I ask, was there anyone when you were a kid who you started doing an impression of, like a cartoon character or anything like mm. that? Um, I, well, I was a mimicking, I knew basically all the lines to the movie Death Becomes Her at the okay. age of like six or seven. So, I've been mimicking Goldie Hawn, Isabella Rossellini, and mm-hmm. Meryl Streep my whole life. Yeah. And now I really like my my Meryl Streep where she's at right now. Yeah. But it's completely nonverbal. Like can I, I can I I can't oh. even I haven't figured out how to say words because I never get past just it's making, just the face and it's, how it looks. No, it's it's this. Uh, (laughs) 
I mean, I do, um, we do a drag version of Death Becomes Her called Drag Becomes Her. Yeah. Um, and I play Meryl in that and I have to speak, of course. And yeah. so I basically am just mimicking all of those specific lines from the right. movie. I don't know. I mean, I guess I could do Devil Wears Prada, but I haven't like found my anchor there yet. Mm. But um, I could just... I love talking about nerdy actor stuff. Oh. So I could talk about voices with you. Oh, absolutely. All day long. One of my first, before I even, before my voice changed, I would try to do Alec Guinness from Star Wars. <laughs> just like, these aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> like that, I, I, I would do that a lot. So. I need to know what is the 24-hour kiss club? What? Yes. Is it is that a name for something or is that like what it sounds like? Did it, you kiss for 24 hours? We make out constantly. We no, but no, <laughs> what it is it's it's the name of my sketch group back in mm -hmm. New York. Um yeah, it's we vote <laughs> we voted on names for our uh group and I grew up a really big fan of Monty Python, mm -hmm. and I remember in a you don't say you know, <laughs> but how do I really feel? Um, no, but um, I remember in in an interview with uh, all of the Pythons that Michael Palin said that he was once reading a magazine and he saw that there was this gardener or something, and her name was Gwen Dibley, and that he thought. <laughs> wouldn't it be a great idea if we named it Gwen Dibley's Flying Circus? Just like giving someone random a show mm -hmm. without telling them. Mm -hmm. And he just, he had this idea of um, of like her, one of her kids just going, mom, you got a series on television. <laughs> just, and so I thought it would be really funny if we called our group the Lena Dunham Comedy Hour. <laughs> And no one else you got liked it. Outvoted. <laughs> yeah, and Twenty Four Hour Kiss Club uh, was the winning uh, was the winning name. And yeah, and so um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm on like hiatus from the group while I'm here in Edinburgh mm -hmm. doing my show. But I I'm gonna be coming back at the end of August, and I'm gonna get stuck right back in. And we, yeah, I think we just started. Well, I say we, it's them because I'm not there right now. But they just started doing a show at Caveat which is a venue in uh, New York, and I'm looking forward to performing there with them when I get back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I was part of an improv troupe in college, and so was Major Scales. Uh -huh. We were called Improvolution. And I don't remember how we arrived at that name, but it mm. was it was because we were in art school and we were very self-important at all times. So we mm -hmm. considered our, our improv revolutionary. So yeah. <laughs> we were improv how's, how's that going? <laughs> um, well, we basically, we, we stayed together all through college. Um, our senior year, we went to the Chicago College Improv Festival, mm -hmm. having won a competition and getting to go. And then once we got there, um, our, our our sketch that day was not one of our best. It had good moments, but I feel like we all kind of felt like that wasn't our best, but we did yeah. it. We're here at, in Chicago. Yeah. Um, I'm very <laughs> intimidated by a couple people on the team like Sam Schaefer and Tony Ferraro because they are outstanding sketch writers. Everyone is, but I... I'm, I'm just very... Because I'm not as good of a sketch writer. Mm -hmm. Most of what I the way I think and how I write is very much either in one person or two person scenes. And I don't often think about and how it can involve other people or mm -hmm. bigger stuff. 
with some exceptions, but I did write one sketch that I was proud of. It was called Chili Milk. And it was it's about someone who goes to a cafe and orders a latte and says, uh, what kind of and offered like, oh, what kind of milk do you want? Like we have alternatives. And uh, they go, Oh, uh, could I have oat milk? Sorry, we're out. Uh, could I get almond almond milk? We just sold the last of it. And they go, All right, well, what do you have? And he goes, Chili milk. It's like, is it like chili peppers? He goes, like, no, fully cooked chili blended in water. That's what this milk is. <laughs> And they're like, we also have desk milk. We all just like every anything you could blend. And eventually that customer gets turned into a milk and another customer orders that. <laughs> it's, just, it's a really dark twisted. Peat milk. Yeah. Um, I, I love dark. I love anything yeah. where, you know, it ends with someone getting blended. Oh, I have a very dark sense of humor. <laughs> and I think I've picked up on some of um, your dark sense of humor. Oh, yeah. Um, I started doing stand up about my dad dying the week after. I noticed that. Yeah. Now I have to ask about, um, I like a gestation period between something happening in my life and making jokes about it on stage yes. because I want to make sure I'm through it yes. before I bring it up on stage so that I don't run the risk of like actually accidentally triggering something yeah. actually upsetting for myself yeah, on yeah, stage. Yeah. And then the audience has to like <laughs> counsel me through. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you like to process things on stage or were you just, did you have time to, um, you know, yeah. process everything so that you were ready to make the jokes? It's Is a, it a part yeah. of your grieving process to make the jokes? I, it's a very good question. I think the answer has to do with the fact that as a kid, I was very afraid of speaking. Mm -hmm. I was very afraid of opening my mouth and over time, I s sort of lost touch with just how I felt about things, like mm -hmm. knowing what my actual opinion was on something, because I was always more concerned with how things would affect other people than actually thinking about how I feel or stuff. Mm -hmm. And so stand up was actually oddly therapeutic in that it forced me to actually think about my opinion on how things went mm -hmm. or how, because like a lot of like material is not necessarily about my dad said but it's a, about like things that people said to me mm -hmm. after he died that I found really weird mm -hmm. where that and the thing is I genuinely found it funny is mm -hmm. the things that some people said I don't want to spoil it because I still <laughs> need it on stage but um uh but just like th yeah very inappropriate things that people said I was like what why did you say and so and then thinking how could I use this on stage and then realizing wait that's actually really messed up that that person said that mm -hmm. to me and that actually really helped me find my ground again mm -hmm. in just sort of understanding myself but th so my dad died on a Saturday and then the following Tuesday I went to an open mic just to just to watch I just wanted to be mm -hmm. around like comedian friends of mine and I saw my friend Debancourt who gave me a big hug and he said, hey, man, how are you doing? And of course, I'm so And I was like, I'm doing all right. I, I had like a therapy session this morning and I caught my therapist up to speed on everything that's happened in the past week. And I told him, I was like, I actually made my therapist cry in telling her everything. And he was like, damn, dude, like, did you cry with her? And I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the moment where I was like, oh, I think I'm actually ready to start laughing about this. Yeah. And that, it really pulled me out really mm. well. I, 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 I hear 
absolutely everything you're saying. And I feel like we have, I mean, we know that we've been conditioned to think and believe and behave in almost everything that we do. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I think that the conditioning around grief and mm. the expectations around grief are just as, um, you know, unhelpful as the conditioning we've received around yeah. almost everything. Oh yeah. My Gr mom does not agree with me. By the way. My mom is like, I don't think this is good. I was like, that's all right. Grief is like, uh, I mean, in my family, we were making like, yeah, it was like on the day of the funeral, like yeah. it was a fucking roast, you know, <laughs> like it was, I remember <laughs> anything that went wrong on the day of my uncle's funeral, everyone would go, well, Mark's playing a prank on us, you know, like everyone was just so sure, sure that my uncle's ghost was there, like, yeah pranking us throughout the funeral and that's it, awesome it was crazy that like as many things went wrong that day as they did yeah, yeah, yeah. but my family wastes no time to start cracking jokes and like um i remember when my grandma passed away all the jokes were like she'd have to do it on the day that like <laughs> no cabs are available or yeah but i remember the most uh, like the most baffling thing that was said to me during a moment of grief <laughs> mm -hmm. at my grandmother's funeral, I sang um, a song from the film, The Color Purple, which was uh -huh. her favorite film. Nice. And this um, relative of mine who I had never met before mm -hmm. came up to me, didn't say a thing about my grandma passing, just said, when you sang, I had heard you were a good singer, but I didn't, I had no idea you were American Idol good. And I was like, I'm going to go now. <laughs> like, I didn't even, I had no idea how to respond. To I mean, that's, that's it a was, compliment. It was a yeah. compliment. It was, it was a compliment. But I was also like, I didn't. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, you're singing a song for your, your departed relative. And someone's yeah. like, you should take that and run with it, kid. <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> Anyway, um, can I tell you the weirdest thing is that I've been recognized a few times mm -hmm. where people brought that up. Oh, yeah. Dad. So I was once I was actually on my way from an open mic to another and we were passing by. This is last summer when John Mulaney first started touring again and doing his new hour, mm -hmm. which I saw recently and it was outstanding. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm walking by this venue that he's about to perform at and there's this group of four girls that are online and then I hear someone shout out, oh my God, Lucas. And I turn and it's someone I went to high school with. And I was like, Elizabeth? And she was like, no, it was my friend. She's a fan of yours. I was like, oh, cool. that's so nice. <laughs> and then this friend was like, oh, can I get a photo with you? And I was like, absolutely. So she gives her phone to Elizabeth. And then we like put our arms around each other. And just before the camera goes off, she says, oh, by the way, I'm sorry that your dad died. <laughs> and then she's big smile for the camera. Oh and so I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> that, but. Another time, I was at a rooftop birthday party mm -hmm. for my friend Alex, and I was hanging out with a few people chatting until this one dude who was very, very drunk comes up to me and says, hey, are you Lucas Arnold? And I said, yeah. And he said, I just want to say, I'm so glad your dad didn't die from COVID. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm in a weird mental spiral right now. <laughs> and then he just looked at me and he was like, love your stuff. And then he just walked away. You know, the things, I I, I, I get that like, I, I mean, I don't know. 
I, I'm plenty awkward when meeting someone who's a celebrity in my eyes, you yeah. know, someone important to me. But I'm awkward in the like gushing, like want to tell them how they impacted my life. But yeah. I also know how daunting that can be when like, yeah. you know, like it can be, it's a lot of energy to receive. So I try to play it as chill as possible. And what how I reconcile this is by telling the person, I have to say one big gushy compliment and then I promise I'll be done with everything yeah. and we can just be normal human beings together. I do the same thing. I go, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just want to <laughs> say, I, I love your stuff. I think I love your comedy, whatever it is. And I try to keep it as brief as possible mm -hmm. and then make my exit. I, I had, I, I, I didn't have to, I got to share a, a dressing room with Christine Ebersol, um, who's a Broadway performer mm -hmm. and a voice actor. And I, um, I just said, you know, like, I just have to get one thing out of the way and then I promise I'll be a, a completely normal um, dressing room attend, <laughs> yeah. cohabitant. Um, and, and she was very gracious about that, but I, I do have just people, especially when alcohol is involved, just yeah. like, it's like they convince themselves they'll never have the chance to say this thing to this person. So now they're given yeah. the chance and they can't help it. Yeah. Um, or it's the things that like um, they think is a compliment. But when you actually like pick it apart, you're like, wait, yeah. that wasn't very nice. I know. My favorite was, um, you're so much prettier in person than you were on TV. And I was like, oh, thank you. Wait a second. You thought I was ugly on TV. <laughs> Which I definitely had my moments. Don't worry. I'm very self-aware. That is, that's disgusting. <laughs> to the guy's credit who I saw at a rooftop, he apologized profusely the day mm -hmm. afterwards. Okay. So I will give him credit for that. But- Besides that, did you have any like really off things that fans have come up? Because I'm sure that happens to you all the time. Oh, I mean, it always comes from a place of love. So I can't remember like, I, I think it's just, oh no. Okay, this is my favorite. Mm -hmm. This is my favorite story because it's totally innocuous. It's very funny because I've had some, you know, like really weird encounters, but yeah. I'm not going to put anyone on blast in case they're listening. You, can, I, you can do a code name. <laughs> I um I'll just say my favorite moment ever. It was right after I won season five, mm -hmm. and um, Roxy and Alaska and I were touring together, and um, Alaska and I were both wearing blonde wigs, mm -hmm. and someone came up to me, handed me a giant bouquet of flowers, and then said, "I just wanted to say, Jinx is very fun and funny, but you should have won." <sighs> Uh, and I was like, what? And she was like, Jinx is great or whatever, but it should have been you. And I was like, I look at the flowers and they have a card that say Alaska on them. And I was like, I'm going to tell Alaska you said that. And I'm sure she'll be so happy to hear that. And I handed Alaska the flowers and the woman, her face just went like completely blank. And then the bouncer just like took her and escorted her away because her time was up. And, I, and that's the last time I ever saw that person. That <laughs> You need to understand, I'm someone who fantasizes about getting revenge on people. That is like, that is so satisfying. Ooh. 
I didn't know you were here at the Fringe until um, the server at the Thai restaurant um, where we ate the first night we were here didn't recognize me at all, but was um, bragging about having seen you walk past the restaurant earlier that day. And because we were talking about it being okay. festival time and everyone who lives here loves festival time because yeah. the whole city just becomes, you know, uh, very Dionysian. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good so, word. Yeah, the, Good word. Yeah. <laughs> well, I used Bacchanal earlier. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you were a theater kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, our server... Um, was talking about uh, you having walked by the restaurant. I was like, Lucas Arnold is here? And we had only chatted on Instagram before, but I have to say my favorite thing about social media, because there's so many things that irk me about social media, but my Mm. favorite thing is... um... (laughs) My favorite thing... Tell the people what just happened. Tell the people. (laughs) Something came out of my mouth. I don't know what it was. It was still there. Oh, my gosh. Don't eat breakfast right before you do a podcast. Um, great. great. <laughs> um, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Oh, so my favorite thing about social thing media. About social social media, media. Yeah. And I know that this is a place of privilege I come from because yes. of my own notoriety. Mm-hmm. But... I can't tell you how many times I've just been a fan of someone and then taken a swing and written them a message. And then they write back and they've seen my show. And then you have this little gush fest. And then the next thing you know, like when you're in their city, you're getting coffee with them. And it's like, it's this really surreal experience of like actually getting to meet people you admire. And um, so, yeah, for listeners um, listening now, I just heard from the server that Lucas was here, reached out to Lucas on Instagram two days later. He's in my flat where um, I'm spitting food up. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we have come to the compulsory questions that I ask. Okay. Oh, wait, no, wait. Oh. sorry. I had one last topic. Oh, yes. Um, where did it go? And can I say that the feeling is absolutely, like, <laughs> when you reach, because, like, that is my favorite thing about social media is that it really is, it, it's perfect at creating connections that otherwise wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. or creating mm-hmm. communities that otherwise wouldn't have been able to have made. Like, I rem- this is so silly, but I remember there was a creator on TikTok who just does he did sound effects of different guns from sci-fi movies, mm-hmm. but he got huge numbers of views and fun, <laughs> because like that is as weird and niche as that is, it is a talent and he did it amazingly and he was able to get an audience of people that love to sing. And I was like, that is social media at its best. Yeah. And people sharing something that they think no one else may be into or appreciate and finding out there's so many people that appreciate it and that people appreciate it. And yeah. That is, I think, one of the most positive aspects of social Absolutely. media is people yeah. who would otherwise feel completely alone. And, and this ranges from things like niche comedy to, you know, things like gender identity, like people 100%. in people in isolated areas who feel so completely alone, find their community online, maybe find their um, escape plan for somewhere where they can live their truth through their connections made online. There's so many positives. Um, And I know that um, as an entertainer, um, for comedy's sake or for just venting, I'm oftentimes talking about the negative aspects, but there are so many positive aspects as well. It's just, I wish we could find a way to enjoy the benefits of social media without the like cesspit of toxicity and racism and, and misogyny and, phobia that just like 
currently plagues our society. But then when you think about the fact that super, super rich people have created this thing as a distraction so that we're more into what's going yeah. on on social media than what's going on in the world. Yep. And then you realize that it's exactly what they used to do with the Catholic Church in the olden days. It's yeah. just now we don't follow religion, so we have to follow social media. Oh, and then your conspiracy theory brain starts swirling out of control. So, um, so you're on conspiracy TikTok as well. No, <laughs> I don't really yeah. have a end to that sentence but um, Uh, but it's an issue i i I really believe and this may seem weird but like i think there should be an age minimum for tiktok or at least some sort of division where like children can enjoy social media different from like adult because like especially with like sexual predators on tiktok Mm. there's way too many and it it's really scares me Mm. because it i feel like social media right now is where cigarettes used to be like a good few decades ago mm-hmm. where it wasn't quite as realized like the damage that it can do mm-hmm. to mental health or even like communities at large i really think there needs to be a larger conversation and sort of guidelines put in place to protect people who are who their brains are still developing yeah i w- i i I'm really glad I didn't have TikTok as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have turned out well at all if I had it. <laughs> Even if I had Facebook as a teenager, I should not have had Facebook as a teenager. Yeah, I had MySpace because um, I'm just a few years older than you. <laughs> but um, um, I'm I'm pretty happy with the fact that I didn't have any social media until Drag Race happened mm. for me the first time. Yeah, but then I was not prepared for it you know like i had to learn quickly about social media now i've i i feel like i've figured out how to handle it but i do think like um you know if social media is going to be as abundant as it is in america they need they really need to get on that um oh, yeah. mental <laughs> universal mental health care <laughs> because uh, like I'm in my 30s and I need a therapist to help me unpack some of the things that happen on oh, me social too. media. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so thank you all for listening um, to both Lucas and myself as well as um, my morning coffee sponsored by Star- Starbucks, except it's Scottish Starbucks, so it's Starbucks. Doesn't count. <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I do a Scottish accent, I come out as like Billy Connolly. <laughs> Have you ever seen Billy Connolly? No. No. <laughs> I, I was just in Australia, so I yeah. keep doing the Australian now. He's, but. he's one of like the OG British comedians. He has a very husky sort of Scottish okay. voice. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very familiar with that voice. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm familiar with Mike Myers doing it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I ain't a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I can, the only Scottish accent I can do is essentially Michelle Gomez playing Mary Queen of Scots in Psycho Bitches in Therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it was funny. Here's a little name dropping oh, yeah. and anecdote for you. Oh, yeah. Alan Cumming, ta- um, Alan Cumming came to my show last night and then afterwards was saying, oh, and your Scottish accent is on point. And I was like, oh, thank you. But it's not. It's really not, is it? And he was like, no, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, 
I here's the thing is I always knew I was bad at Scottish though. Even in school, I could okay. do basically every UK dialect. Mm. I could do Irish really well. Um, I could do you know received pronunciation, Cockney, standard yeah. British. Scottish just has always evaded me. I've never yeah. been able to do it. One small thing, I'm pro- I promise I'm not going to create so many detours, but like, so my mom is English. My mm-hmm. mom grew up in South London. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but the thing is like, sort of like her, well, not really her, but my uncle's accents that I heard like growing up, they, they had a lot of like Jamaican influence. Mm-hmm. And so when I... If I, if I, especially if I'm drunk, uh, mm-hmm. if I try to do an English accent and I do sort of theirs, I kind of have to be mindful about like the patois that slips <laughs> in because <laughs> I'm like, oh, this isn't okay. Because <laughs> it is genuinely like the sort of like the accent I grew up with, but I also know how I look. I'm like, this is bad. Is that an Adele moment? Maybe. Is that? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't dress up with like those knots and everything and the flag and you'd the bikini. Have something, yeah, you'd have yeah, something yeah. ahead of time that... <laughs> Yeah, but a lot, uh, but a lot, but a lot of like, yeah, it's proper, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I pretty much only do dialects these days now to tease my husband. That's um, good. Or to tease the audience. Nice. I did have an audition recently where I had to do a received, pronunci- uh, received pronunciation dialect. And my husband actually seemed... Um, he, he said it was all right. He okay. said it was serviceable. So <laughs> here are, at long last, yes. here are um, my compulsory questions for you. Answer Lovely. however you feel. First question, who is your celebrity crush today? Christina Hendricks. Do you... <laughs> you had that locked and loaded. Oh, uh, noted for ages. Yeah. Um, so have you seen me in drag? I have, yeah. <laughs> Well, Lucas, Christina's not at Edinburgh Fringe, but you know who is. Hey. Um, <laughs> when I met Christina, and here's one more name dropping. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> When I met Christina Hendricks, it was at Neil Patrick Harris's Christmas party. Uh-huh. And I, I, the in, first thing I said to her was, Christina, my entire like adult life, because I dress vintage and you were in Mad Men, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Everyone comes up to me. And because I'm a redhead and they all tell me I look like you and it's just been the best compliment that I've gotten like consistently in my my life. That's nice. That's and good. she looked at me, blinked one eye and then blinked the other eye and then went, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my because God. it was the end of the party. No, she was so sweet. I'm just, oh, that's so I'm good. teasing, of course. She was very, yeah. very, um, she was very sweet. We took yeah. a picture together. She's a very lovely... Um, human being yeah. and she's very, for someone who like made her name in um, drama acting mm. she's very funny did oh, you yeah. see her in another period another no I oh wait was that a comedy Natasha so- Lajara yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I think and I did see that Ricky yeah. Lindholm um, and it, so good, it was yeah. like a re- it was like the Kardashians but set in at New the England turn of yeah, the century. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 and Christina Hendricks played a servant that they named Chair <laughs> and she had the best I line this, of yeah. the whole show for me. The best line. She came out of amnesia and said, wait a second. I know who I am. My name's Chair. <laughs> and I'm a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. 
No, but Christina Hendricks. I also for sure Salma Hayek. Okay. Salma Hayek was like, it was big for me growing up. <laughs> she was so amazing in Dogma. Oh yeah. Also Desperado. That was <laughs> that was an awakening for me for sure. Um, my next question yes. for you is: Are you spiritual? I've become a little bit more. Well, I don't know about spiritual necessarily, but I've. I'll be I'll be real for a moment. Um, ever since my dad died, I've become more grateful for every little thing in my life, even just the feeling of grass or leaves on a tree, because I think my dad doesn't get to do this right now. Mm. He doesn't get to enjoy, literally just enjoy a breeze mm -hmm. or enjoy a, a, a chocolate bar. Mm -hmm. or every little thing I think I am lucky that I get to do this and enjoy this. And it's a, I try to take space to remind myself of that every day. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you would call that. I think it's just like, at least I'm trying to be more mindful, but that is. I will say that's a very positive impact that mm -hmm. that had on me. And I don't know necessarily, well, what would you define as spiritual? Do you mean it's like believing in a great being? I believe in people and I, that we're I all connected. And that... don't, I purposefully leave the question just as it is okay. so that the person can answer however they feel. Um, because some people talk about their history, their background with religion. Some mm. people talk about their current day spiritual practices. But I think anything that... For me, spirituality can be like anything that is not, you know, easily defined by facts and logic and science in the real world. Like okay. spirituality is anything that you do not because it has some kind of like, maybe it has like a positive effect on your emotional state or your mental state. But like, you know, lighting incense isn't going, mm. besides making the room smell like incense, it's not going to have any bearing in my life except I give it importance and I give yeah. it weight in my life. And that ritual is important to me. And um, so I don't know. I That's how I kind of define it. It's the things that I do just simply because they help me right. feel good about being a human being alive in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. I like that a lot. And... I will say that I do try to take time for myself, even just to look in the mirror and say, well done, I love you, you're doing well, you're a good person, and to remind myself of that every day because those are things that I did not believe mm -hmm. uh, probably at all growing up, and I'm trying to rectify. I will say that maybe someone can relate, but I feel like losing my dad, it was sort of maybe emotionally sort of re-breaking a bone so it can heal correctly. Mm -hmm. That's really fascinating. It was shattering, but it's given me the opportunity to rebuild myself in some ways. That's, and, you know, and it sucks that sometimes it takes tragedy or trauma to make us that stronger person. And it, cause I, I, you know, in my life, I've had moments where I say to myself, God, it would have been so much easier if I didn't have to go through right. the last two months to get to where I am right now. But then I have to immediately say, but at least I'm here. At least I'm here now, you know, like yeah. at least I'm at this better place. And if it took two months of bullshit to get here, then at least it didn't, didn't take three months, you know, at yeah. least it didn't take a whole year. So 
Uh, I think whatever gets us to the places where we're feeling good about the fact that we're human beings alive in this planet, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta take them. Yeah. And also like (laughs) not judging yourself for like, okay, it took two months, but how many other people would this have broken? Mm -hmm. Whatever you went through and whatever Mm -hmm. wisdom or personal health or whatever goodness you may have drawn from something, how many other people would have crumbled under that? Yeah, to kind of, you know, like recognize your accomplishments, you know. Um, And celebrating yourself. That's another thing that I've been trying to do more of and also trying to get other people that I know who struggle with similar things Mm -hmm. to be like, hey, remember, like, there's someone who I... I don't, I don't know super well, but she's a young comedian. She And she recently got into, she was like a teenager who went to this open mic that I went to. And I saw her, I was like, hey, you're really funny. Please keep doing this. And then we didn't talk or keep, but then she told me, because I saw her on TikTok and she found me and she was like, oh, I got into your college. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Let's talk about like teachers and stuff. And then she went off and then she reached out to me a third time. And said, oh, I'm having a really tough time, uh, but I got into this improv group. And I was like, celebrate that. Mm -hmm. You're doing so well. You're a month in. Just enjoy your time here. Talk to other people. You're doing so well. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big thing because, like, comedians are very Mm self-critical. Very, very self-critical. And so anytime I meet anyone, I try not to overextend myself, but I try to be like, hey, how are you doing? Like, Remember, yeah. you're doing really well and you're doing yeah. something that's really hard, you know? Yeah. Um, just like we were talking about, you know, you, if you fixate on the mistakes of the past, you can, uh, you have a harder time being present. If you're looking ahead or if you're like trying to look for what you're not yet doing, mm. that's another way of not being present. So it's, um, oh my gosh, what's that phrase? Um, if you got one foot in the past and one foot in the future, then you're um, pissing on today. <laughs> I'm like, could it be possible that you're just standing there and you're not actively <laughs> urinating? But yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, my final question yes, yeah, for yeah. you is, and I, um, I gotta say, thank you. Um, that spirituality, uh, question really took us places just now. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're a very introspective person and I like it. Thank final you. question. Yes. Let's see if it has as deep of a okay, yeah, <laughs> invocation. Yeah. What's your go-to karaoke song? <laughs> oh, um, Cat People by David Bowie. Okay. <laughs> Putting out the fire. Yeah, I, I love that song. As a strong build-up, too. I'm a late-in-life um, Bowie, Bowie fan, and I'm not even sure I'm familiar with that song. You'd have to sing a little bit of it for me. Okay. Um, uh Feel these eyes so green <laughs> I can stare for a thousand years Colder than the moon It's been so long When you do, when you do like vocal impressions at karaoke, do people lose their minds? I don't, I've never done an impression of karaoke. Go go feel your oats at karaoke sometime. I'm doing karaoke (laughs) tomorrow for a friend's birthday. I may actually do that. Is it at the karaoke place that's like open from 1 to 5 (laughs) a.m.? Maybe. No, we're starting at 8 p.m. So I don't think it's that place. No. Uh, um, (laughs) I just found out there's an all night karaoke place. Yeah. Um, 
so you are here at the Edinburgh Fringe. Yes. You have a stand-up comedy show until the 22nd of August. 28th. 28th of August. Even better. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> this podcast will probably come out with you still having about a week left of shows. So nice. everyone listening, if you're in Scotland, if you can get to Scotland, to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, you can see yeah. Lucas Arnold. What's the name of your show? It's called Platonic Love Triangle. It's Wonderful. me and my <laughs> friends, uh, Otter Lee and Wyatt Figredo. Uh, yeah, it's our show, Platonic Love Triangle. Come see and, us. And do you have anything else to plug? We know to follow you on TikTok yeah. and Instagram. Yes. Um, it's at Lucas Arnold. It's at Lucas T. Arnold. T. Arnold. <laughs> Lucas Arnold was taken. You would not believe how many people get my name wrong. Because they think, <laughs> is it Lucas Starnold? Is Lucas it <laughs> is it Lucas St. Arnold? I've gotten that. I'm like, no, it's just Lucas Arnold. And my middle my middle name's Theodore. Lucas Arnold was taken on social media. Oh, that was it. Theodore. You yeah. look like a Theodore. That was my grandfather's name. My dad's dad's name. Um, Theodore Arnold. That was Theodore him. Theodore Arnold. Yeah. That sounds like some revolutionary war. <laughs> no, he, no, that was him trying not to sound Jewish. That was it. <laughs> His original name was, I think it was like Tovia Aronovich. Uh, yeah. uh, you're, you're Theodore Arnold now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, um, I don't really know the origins of my family names. I know that my dad's name, mm. um, uh, Wickander, was originally Vikander. Yeah. And then they changed it to Wickander. Okay. And then I think there might have been something attached to my my last name, Hoffer. I think it might yeah. have been Hofferman or Hoffer Weifer. I should uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Alicia Vikander is Norwegian, I think. So oh, maybe really? it's uh, Scandinavian. Listen, every year I uncover some other dark secret about my yeah. family. <laughs> one, one day all the pieces Have you ever done a, a DNA thing like 23andMe? I did. I was not impressed no. with the results. No, I just... <laughs> <laughs> no royals, you know. Um, no, yeah, I've totally done that. Um, I, I think the only real shocking thing, everything I already knew. Um, so there were no real um, discoveries except for the surprising amount of Neanderthal that still yeah. <laughs> lives inside of me. I got... I have more Neanderthal. I'm in the bottom fourth percentile oh. of Neanderthal DNA. I'm like practically a Neanderthal, yeah. <laughs> No oh. one asked for that. Not twenty three. No one asked for that. Yeah. So what are other um, what are other things you'd like to plug? You've got my yes. listeners' ears. Thank you very much. So uh, all my social media at l u k a s t a r n o l d. Uh, I also have a podcast with my uh, friend who's a massive fan of yours, uh, Gabby Jordan Brown. We have a podcast called Two Nosy Meerkats, <laughs> and we desperately want you on. And we'll desperately be on. <laughs> I'll come on Thank desperate. <laughs> awesome. And then also my sketch group, Twenty Four Hour Kiss Club, on uh, Instagram. Okay. Thank you. Wonderful. It's been very lovely chatting this with you, getting so to know you. Um, I hope it was worth the four flight climb up. Oh. <laughs> what if I was like, nah. No. <laughs> um, yeah. I love lots of things about the UK, but accessibility is not one of their strong suits. Mm. Um, but I don't know. Uh, uh, I guess, you know, it's the give and take of living in a flat where there's just a stone wall probably oh, repurposed yeah, from a castle. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's solid stone. It really is. <laughs> um, 
thank you so much for being my thank guest Thank you today. so much for having me on. This is amazing. And thank you all for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon and we have new episodes every Wednesday. So make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx. To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio. <laughs>